0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Turkey Party.
1: That was good.
0: Oh, thank you. You know, I stole that from Aaron. He cracked that impression. That's
1: amazing. Yeah. I'm not surprised that he dedicated some time to that, just like his Steve Urkel.
0: Yes. Similar dedication. Once a year, they'd have a 4th of July party, and he would be drunk at like 6 a.m., and you'd hear him out in the yard acting like a turkey, with the turkey. Oh, wow. And then the turkey would join in, and they would communicate, basically.
1: Oh, that's sweet.
0: He's always had a connection with animals. <laughs> you know who else has a great connection with animals? Maybe just their house, the outdoors, nature. That's right. Nick Offerman. He
1: does.
0: And he has a new book out called Where the Deer and the Antelope Play, which is a tour of America's most beautiful places, as well as a mission statement about loving, protecting, and experiencing the outdoors. It's a good message.
1: It's a great message, and he's a beautiful person. I love him. He
0: is a beautiful person. He's so awesome. It's what I like about you. He's very competent. I love competence. He's
1: very competent.
0: It seems he can do anything.
1: And he has a kind of what you would think is a hard exterior, but a very soft inside.
0: Yes, very Eminem-like in warm weather.
1: Oh, Eminem, the candy.
0: Yeah, not the not um, the rapper. MC. We don't. I
1: don't know enough about the rapper to be able to say.
0: I don't either, but I'd like to find out. Eminem, if you're listening, <laughs> get on Let's here. Let's make
1: this about Eminem.
0: Well, how about this, Eminem? You listen to Nick Offerman right now, and tell me if you'd like to have a similar conversation. There if so, hit me on IG. I guess. <laughs> Please enjoy Nick Offerman we are supported by squarespace guys we have a squarespace website that it's just gorgeous that wabi-wabi you uh you built that yourself using all the templates yeah i sure did yeah easy peasy so easy Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. If you listen for a while, AG1 shouldn't be new to you. What's not new to me, I've been a fan for over six years. I have it every morning. I had it this morning. But if you haven't tried it yet, seriously, it's such an easy way to improve your health. It replaces multiple health supplements like multivitamins, digestive aids, immune support, and more in just one simple scoop. In 60 seconds... I know I'm covering my nutritional bases and setting myself up for success to tackle the day. And for how simple it is, it's crazy what a difference it makes. It's full of prebiotics for my gut, vitamin B to keep my energy up, magnesium for my stress levels. I could keep listing ingredients and benefits all day, but you just need to know it works. So I've partnered with AG1 for so long because they make such a high-quality product that I genuinely look forward to drinking every day. If you want to find out your newest healthy habit, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase at drinkag1.com dax. That's drinkag1.com dax. Check it out. He's an I'm ashamed to admit it, but I've just kind of I've crossed some threshold with it where I'm like vaxxed, I get tested, and that's the end of how much I'm going to think about this anymore. Right. I don't know. I'm sure that's unethical, but I'm just like, I'm doing the shit that I got to do, and I don't have any more space for this fucking experience in my
2: life. <laughs> well, it's just it's just like the news over the last six, seven years. It's like you reach a point where it's, you listen to it every day, and then you're like, oh, don't ever play it yeah. again. But it's just that thing of, like, going to the hospital or going to a film set where I'm like, yeah, do everything I can.
0: I should drill down into this. I guess I have some arrogance about it. Like, I guess I think someone on the film set's going to get it, but I don't think it's going to be me because I don't fucking do anything. I, You know what I'm saying? I'm, like, at my house with my kids. Totally. And then I go to work. And really, this is my work, so... I don't know, how do you feel? You've changed, you've evolved quite a bit, I've noticed.
1: I used to be, I was really scared of it at first. Well, not, I wasn't scared of it. It was the same thing. I was just like, I can't live if I give my, give it to somebody. Right. But I have evolved. I've gotten much less strict having done all the protocols. I wear masks out and around, yeah. you know, it's not like. But we
0: were in England and let me tell you, man, they don't wear anything. Yeah. I mean, mind you, they're highly vaxxed, which is fantastic. percent right. yeah. But they're not wearing it, and I got to say, we were there, and I'm like, I fucking love this. I miss this, and I got tested when I
2: got home, and everything was kosher. I missed it. It's either, like, lock ourselves in a bubble or roll the dice a little bit here and there. Yeah. But at the same time, when it calls for it, then I'm like, come on, you guys. Can't we err on the side of safety? Yeah, yeah. Like, Uh if we're getting in the subway car, like...
1: Yeah. Uh, I think there's
2: no no fans in here, guys. Like, <laughs> 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 We're writing in a Ziploc gang. Uh
0: has <laughs> that occurred to everyone?
2: <laughs> I'm gonna hold my breath all the way to Canal Street. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we didn't do any like there was no getting on the tube. I wouldn't have enjoyed that would have scared me. We
0: had one moment. Where we were actually, we had stepped into a restaurant, to, you know, to, to request a table. And there was maybe four people in front of us. And the hallway was narrow and that the ceiling was very low, which as, as a tall person, I'm already kind of claustrophobic. That was the only moment where I was like, well, if these people have it, it's, whatever they have in their mouth is in my mouth for yeah. sure. But that was the only time.
1: Oh, my gosh. And do you guys know that people have fake vaccine cards? Oh, yeah.
2: And they're expensive. I mean... People pay good money rather than get a free vaccine. Exactly. They pay 500 bucks for like a (laughs) counterfeit vaccine card.
0: Okay, so fuck it. We're talking about it. So I've been on here kind of vocal about the fact that I was was one of these people that by nature, I was like, the science isn't settled. Like there's a lot of marching orders and there's a lot of questions. And again, from my childhood... A lot of trustworthy people lied and had agendas. So I'm scarred by that. And I don't believe people, you know, I'm a, whatever. Sure. I came into it with that baggage. I did all the right shit. Like I did quarantine, I did everything that my wife and Monica would make them feel safe. So I'm a little bit sympathetic to other people who've had mass trauma who don't trust people. Like, I get that part. Now, the thing that fucking pisses me off, is it's the first time I've broke my silence on, it, on social media about it, was this notion that you're super brave if you don't get a vaccine. That pisses me off, because I have a bar for what bravery is. And don't you fucking dare call that being brave.
2: No, for some reason, because of, through no fault of my own, some months ago, I was asked to speak to Congress. Uh, Oh, my God. Uh, On woodworking? No, on on (laughs) vaccination. No shit. So basically, they were like, we have scientists, we have leaders. What we need is a dipshit. Like, who who are the people going to listen to? Who knows how to drive a nail? And so I I wrote up this five-minute thing. And the comforting thing was that all of the science that goes into it all was very reassuring and... The general science around this has been going on for decades. And so that it made me feel confident in saying, okay, look, there's nothing dangerous here. You're absolutely right that we don't know but we also don't know what's in so many things that we oh, shove into exactly. our bodies how many
0: fucking dudes who are like i ain't putting something in my body give me that straw they're huffing they're fucking banging rails back with next <laughs> totally. to some stranger in a bathroom that's totally right. fine but but something that FDA approved yeah is just way too high risk by the time you got there to talk to congress first of all i have tons of questions about that but had you had the data cuz my thing now is like you can't get around the fact that unvaccinated people are dying 11 to one. Like that that's end of story for me. Whatever yeah. else you want to say about it. Okay, but they're dying at 11 to one. That's open and shut. Did you have that info by the time you got
2: there? Sort of, not that concrete, but generally, yes. Like those numbers hadn't started coming in yet. Right. But generally that was the sensibility of like, look, the dangers of not getting vaccinated is there's a good chance you'll die of COVID. Right, significant. Uh, if, yeah. if you get it. The dangers of getting vaccinated are so minuscule compared to anything without it. Yeah. I've got a a plaque hanging in my wood shop that my best friend made a long time ago that says, My God given right to go to hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's it's what I love and, and despise about us Americans. I especially couldn't agree more. where we're like,
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, by God, we're the greatest, and at the same time, <laughs> we're like I'm going to shoot myself in the foot. You better stand back. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I do believe in the right to self-destruct.
0: To be honest, I generally would defend one's individual right to self-destruct. Of course, it gets complicated in that you're going to take some people down with you, likely. Right. That's where it gets murky. But And it's been fun to watch the American part. So, like, there are national characters. We have one. We're a country of immigrants. We have a ton of dopamine. We are bipolar. All these things. So we sucked at quarantining. We don't want to follow rules. We sucked at masks. We sucked at all that. But by God, we got that fucking vaccine done in two seconds. Yeah. And we distributed it. And we passed everyone getting vaccinated. I was like, oh, right. So it's all trade-offs. Now we're kicking ass. These other people that were super cautious, they can't even decide who's getting the vaccine. So it all, to me, it's like, you can't well, just say one's good or bad. It. It's like, th- this comes with this. That comes with that. What were we going to say?
1: To me, there is so much privilege here that there's even a choice like in these uh, so many other countries they just don't have it they don't have enough of it and so and they want it but we're like oh we have tons but maybe i'll take it maybe i won't
2: that's upsetting ultimately it and this is something that runs through this new book of mine is the lack of nuance in every national conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everything has to be reduced to the length of a tweet. Mm -hmm. And so is it good or bad? Right. Tell me, tell me who to vote for before I punch you. And it's like, well, hang on. There's actually anything involving more than one human has a, a whole bunch of boxes to check. I always say, just reduce it down to like a suburban full of kids. Just try and negotiate with that group
3: and you can 't keep
2: all those people happy, but even if we did miraculously it 's not going to last because it 's still human beings, so even if everyone 's happy, everyone 's napping, or everyone has an ice cream, man, that ice cream's going to run out, or they 're going to wake up.
0: so you just said something really subtle that probably blew past a lot of people 's head, and I think it might be the quintessential thing you 'll say today, which is a suburban full of kids. Because that tells me every single thing I need to know about your childhood, who you are, and everything. You didn't say a minivan. You didn't say this. Like, <laughs> you understand <laughs> it's what, a, what a life in a suburban is like.
2: Yeah. Well, that is a big part of my persona, uh, and for 12 years, that suburban was a three-speed on the tree.
0: Oh, baby, three on the tree!
2: And we have three siblings, <laughs> so you got mom and dad up front, and then the the back, from the bench front seat back to the power window. Yeah, yeah, is a layer of coolers and luggage. Covered in sleeping bags. Oh wow! Uh-huh. So the back of the suburban on the road trip is like a massive like kid bed. A fort. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so fun. Oh yeah. fun! Did you see Crazy Heart? That. Oh yeah. Yeah. So to
0: me, the moment I knew that was going to be a great movie. I wonder if you relate is he drove a suburban and when he got up before he even activated the window, he got his hands on that rear window because it doesn't come up and down. Uh, you're going to need to assist that. And yeah. I was like. He, he fucking took the mo- the time to learn this vehicle. Yeah, I'm blown away just from that move. That's what I don't do as an actor.
2: <laughs> well, just yeah, just a touch like that can make or break an entire film. <laughs> yes. One of the greatest actors of our day, Joaquin Phoenix. There, oh yeah, there was a movie called Signs. Joaquin was a, playing a kid, and he, at some point he had to go out and use a shovel, mm. and then come back in from using a shovel. And his jeans were so clean uh-uh. when he came back in. You're out. That I was like, this, the magic is gone. <laughs>
3: uh,
1: that's true. That's so true. He has since
2: made up for it. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. He <laughs> redeemed
0: himself. He's like focused on the emotions. Like, let's let him focus. On, I can't do the emotions. He's doing. It's true. Yeah, you and I would worry about the jeans, and we'd miss the emotions. Maybe <laughs> the, the ultimate actors, can you check all those boxes? Now it's funny you'd say when going to Congress, they have. A identified you as someone who might be able to speak to folks that they can't speak to. And I'll give Howard Stern credit for this. Like, I don't think there's ever been a, a gay activist who's done as much for the cause as Howard Stern because the gay activists were talking to other gay activists and other liberals like me. They weren't talking to the pe- the, the adversary. Right. And, and Howard Stern, his fan base is solely
2: almost yeah. what it is. Jamokes. Yeah, Which, <laughs> Among whom I would count myself. I mean, <laughs> me too. I, I say yeah, yeah. that with affection.
0: Yeah. I guess... Oh man, it's Well, let's talk about going to Congress. So you fly there and are you greeted? No, no, no. This is four or five months ago, so it's Zoom. Oh. Unfortunately. Yeah. Because how many times have we seen movies where it's like the person goes there and they make this impassioned speech? I was so
2: excited. I was like, (laughs) this is going to fix everything. You (laughs) You finally. (laughs) <laughs> Asked me for five minutes.
3: <laughs> Problem
2: yeah. solved. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It'll be about vaccines, but you'll be able to map on the logic of this argument onto all the problems <laughs> yeah. in the
2: government. And solve guys, everything. If I might uh, swing over to cancer real quick. <laughs> <laughs>
0: got some ideas. I'm going
2: to tap dance around a little bit. I see. <laughs> No, it was in fact kind of a comedy because like we did an episode of Parks and Rec by Zoom when the pandemic just started. Okay. So you got one of those screens with like 12 or 16 people or whatever. Yeah. And the the congressional hearing was similar. And so you got congress people like in the back of a limo like oh, looking God. at their phone, you know. <laughs> half How paying attention this. it so had
1: many people on mute
2: anyone on a peloton <laughs> might as well have been <laughs> yeah yeah and it felt like an episode of parks and rec yes where the, it's too absurd the public officials are like i'm sorry what were you saying <laughs> um, no uh give me two hot sauce <laughs> and with the six piece oh, yeah no
0: go ahead go ahead <laughs> oh that's hysterical You know, what's funny, the suburban, if I had to say like my stereotype of a social studies teacher, it is a fucking suburban and it's either the orange and brown and white stripe in the middle, the tritone. What color was dad's? I assume it was, his dad was a social studies teacher. So to me, that is like a bullseye of what a social studies teacher should
2: drive. Totally. That ex-farmer, like grew up on a farm, the town star of like basketball and baseball, and then become school teacher. We never bought a new one. The first one was very used and it was fully gray.
0: Mm, mhm. Mm. Who knows what color it started as. Yeah, yeah.
2: it was like primer with, with a gloss coat on top. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then we traded that in in 82, I want to say, for blue with like the silver middle stripe. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, And that had power windows. Oh, baby. And that was like, we're now upper middle class. Yeah. We have power windows. Yeah,
0: big time. It wasn't the diesel, was it? And it was an automatic. No, oh, it okay. was not a
2: diesel. So
0: here's another thing I think you and I share. And But now I, I want to say that what I understand about your woodworking is it's actually pretty damn good. But again, it could be average, but because you're the only actor I know who does it, I, I think you've been elevated to like master craftsman. And, and I just want to say similarly... I can work on cars. Mm -hmm. I'm not a fucking fabricator. I'm not great. But in Hollywood, I am a unicorn. And people seem to be really... Perplexed and intrigued by the whole thing, and I think we probably share that.
2: That's a great point, yeah. And the word mastery is what jumps out at me because I often get introduced as actor, writer, master woodworker. Oh my god, and I say, Who the fuck, where did you ever get that? Because oh my god, he's he made a table, he's a master, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I am friends with master woodworkers. And the reason they're masters is because they spend their lives pursuing mastery. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I spend my life doing a podcast with YouTube, (laughs) writing a book, doing a TV show. I'm a very competent woodworker and I'm really proud of my work and I've done some beautiful stuff. But I I can name a hundred off the top of my head that are way better than me because that's what they do. Yes, yeah. yes. And their performance in The Crucible as John Proctor doesn't <laughs> hold up to mine. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's the, the give the and take. There.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's the piece you're most proud of? Or if you like built a house, I don't know the the the. He makes set. canoes. No.
2: He's made a ukulele. Mm. He, wow. Those I'm very proud of. Probably my canoe, my first canoe like to build a canoe out of wood and then paddle it. I foolishly launched it in New York Harbor. I built it in (laughs) in Brooklyn and quickly learned (laughs) you don't want a little open boat out on that big of water.
0: Yeah, and there's also gigantic vessels passing that are creating huge waves you weren't anticipating.
2: Yeah, it was the wake of the water taxi that changed my tune real quick. (laughs) But then eventually, I've been on a bunch of rivers with my canoe and with paddles that I've made as well. And that sensibility of like turning wood into watercraft yeah. and touching the Conveyance. part of our ancestry that's like, oh, I can get across the water. Yeah. Holy
3: shit. Yeah. If the
2: shit goes down, <laughs> I can get across the water.
0: Yes. I agree. That's I couldn't really agree more. Cool. Yeah. These little things happen all the time. So right where we're sitting, in the corner of the yard, we have this- a huge tree that had died and an end of it was cut off. But the point is, is it goes all the way up, probably 10 feet in the air. And then it's just cut off. And our dog has recently been getting his ass up there. I'll look out the back window and the dog looks like it's levitating, like 12 feet in the air. <laughs> and then it jumps into the neighbor's house. Nobody lives there. So if I got to jump a fence and it's a pain in the ass. So I had friends <laughs> over yesterday and by God, that motherfucker goes up there again and we're playing cards. And I go, I I need five minutes. I go get my chainsaw for my sisters. I go grab my chainsaw. I come up there, I get rid of that fucking log already. I come back in and it's as if I turned water into wine because we're in LA. Oh yeah. And I love it. Like in Michigan, I'm very average at all quote manly tasks. Yeah.
2: Just competent as you would say. I have two sisters and a brother and my sisters by that measure are so much more manly than me. Like I'm the family member who's had two semesters of ballet. Yeah. And, like they have, sp- I guarantee they've split more firewood in the last year. Shoveled more snow. I'm a oh, soft ass actor, yeah. you know, living in Los Angeles. Sure, sure. And uh, <laughs> yes, I can use a chainsaw, but so can my mom, you yeah.
0: know. are like, yeah. you know, electric now too. I can't, I was trying to tell him like any one of you could have went out there and died. I mean, you gotta watch where the log's gonna fall. You find that out the hard way when you're younger, but yeah,
2: Other than that, you just pull the trigger and let's party. The one thing, if anybody starts messing with a chainsaw, just understand (laughs) the weight of your material and what's going to pinch the blade. Yeah. That's what will really hurt your feelings. Yes. Uh, Great point. You cut down the tree. I thought you took the chainsaw to the dog.
0: (laughs) I would have loved to. My
2: wife's in in fucking England for
0: six weeks, and I keep keep fantasizing of ways this dog could be peacefully passed on, and it would be a plausible story, but I just haven't come up with one yet. Let's workshop that.
2: <laughs> but, but Joliet, right? Uh, I was born in Joliet. That's the city near our farm town of Manuka. Okay, now, so I shot in Joliet for a bit yeah. with Arnett. Yeah, let's escape let's, prison. Let's go to right. prison. Let's yeah. have fun in prison was the title. and Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's keep go to Mike prison. Shannon's hands <laughs> off of me. Yes,
3: yes, yes. <laughs>
2: I actually, when I was a kid, one of the jobs I had was on a blacktop crew, and we put up a basketball court in that prison. When it was still oh, functioning? Wow. At Stateville, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, so there's the old one, the Blues Brothers one. We were shooting in that. And then there's a pretty fancy one down the road that we also visited, which was quite an experience. But And then we were up in Bolingbrook. So is it the other direction from is it? I guess that Bolingbrook's north of Joliet, maybe? It
2: is. It's northeast. It's on your way to Chicago. Right.
0: And your town was... We're southwest of there. Southwest. Right? I think we went bowling there or about that area. You may have
2: gone to Shanahan. Yeah. Which yeah. is... Uh, I love Shanahan. We're like... Th- if we were Minneapolis and St. Paul, okay, oh. we're, we're twin cities and so I, they're the White Sox to my Cubs, so I, I have to give them a hard time. Sure, of but course. Yeah, Shanahan's got the bowling alley, so they do have that. What was the size of your school? When I graduated high school, I want to say it was just under 200 in my class.
0: Oh, so that's okay size, like eight hundred folks. Yeah, so
2: and that's combining Manuka, Shanahan, and Shorewood. What was the vibe there? Because I grew up in a suburb of
0: Detroit, where it's it was literally the one where just beyond us was cornfields, right? Mm. So it was it was great because it was like half hillbilly, but then you could go to the city as well. And the vibe was what you'd expect: it was very blue collar. Uh, it's quite violent, you know. There's <laughs> people were sorting things out physically all the time. Sure. And I wonder, if was it similar. to—
2: Ours was really stuck in the 50s. Like, it reminded me, not religiously per se, but of the high school in Footloose. Oh, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. real corn pone, kind of Chris Pen line dancing vibe. The city <laughs> did not reach Manuka. And, in fact, when my cousin and I discovered breakdancing in the mid-80s, we had to go over to Shanahan <laughs> to, the, to the, <laughs> the skating rink, which was right next to the bowling alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> Shanahan <laughs> is really shaping up It's such a superior to be the place to <laughs> be. Yeah, yeah.
1: Wait, but just to make it, so it was three cities for one high school.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, three towns. Yeah. So
1: we were like, oh, 200, that's actually not that small. That is extremely small when you think how many places. Is well, that's how our
0: high school was, too. It, really? It, yeah, it, it pulled from Milford, from Highland, from White Lake. There were three Smaller towns of ten thousand people that all funneled into the one oh, high school. Oh wow! It's not like my that's, town that's had different. its own. Even the my high school I went to, well, like Central, was like was pulling from four or five different little.
1: Yeah, towns. we had like three high schools within. Uh, with, yeah, within a five mile radius.
0: She's a Georgian. I think that might interest you.
2: Yeah, in the context of what we're talking about, I would have had to go probably thirty to forty five minutes closer to Chicago to get where I felt like I had one side urban, one side cornfield. Right, right, right. We were just, couldn't have been more uh, homogenous. Wow. Yeah, and we had a McDonald's. Did you have more than one fast food place or no fast food No fast food, no traffic light. No traffic light. What? So now the suburbs have reached Manuka. Like when I was there, it was sleepy farm town. Everybody knew everybody. Now it's people commuting from the city. And so now we have fast food and- Uh four or five traffic lights. It's exponentially bigger. Wow. And now there's like a, more like that. There's there's three high schools. Yeah. There's five junior highs and that kind of thing. That kind of sounds like
0: what Bolingbroke was because Arnett and I every night would be like, you want Applebee's, Chili's? or You know, they had like the five staples totally, and not yeah. one independent. You could tell like it all happened in five seconds. Yeah. 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 And your role in high school, like how did you, because what's really, of course, intriguing about you is you have all these... I got to call him that. I know it's not cool to say this anymore, but you have all these masculine tropes, but yet you're super artsy, and as you said,
2: you did ballet. So where did that put you in the niche in high school? (laughs) I'm (laughs) sissy AF. It was very interesting in high school. I was an athlete. I ended up being one of the three captains of the football team senior year. I was a defensive back, so I was fast and I was a good hitter uh-huh and then, like basketball, I was like number five or six guy uh-huh baseball, I started at third base, but I could bat like six I was decent and had a lot of fun. I was a good student, but i like i was real sharp sharp enough that I would get ninety threes So I made sure I'd get the A's, but only just. Yeah, good for you. Because that other seven (laughs) points, like, Mm. that's fun time that I... A thousand percent. To me, this is the telling thing about me in high school. Me and and someone else close to me would go out and, like, spray graffiti on the football field, or we would use herbicide, the uh, contentious herbicide roundup. Because... I hate to put this out there but you can use that <laughs> herbicide to write shit on your football field sure. overnight and then the next day I as president of the student council uh-huh. oh, wow. would form a committee to go clean up oh, the graffiti. Oh
1: my. Okay. So
2: I was a horribly duplicitous <laughs> uh, the duality jerk wow. like mm, artful dodger always figuring out what can I get away with like pushing the envelope and I'm happy to say by the time I started college and I was, like, experimenting with shoplifting and lying about shit and just, like, yeah, yeah, how slick am I or not? Yeah.
0: Can I just ask really quick? Yeah. Are, was there some element of it, because I had this a bit, was, like, I wanted to test my wits against everything. It's, like, I don't even know if I was intrigued by the
2: actual crime itself is just totally.
0: like could I outfox somebody
2: or yeah exactly I didn't need or want the shit I was stealing right. it was like how far like what is fun what can I get away mm-hmm. with and I learned pretty quickly and because I'm a, a straight white kid I went to jail I got Ooh. I got arrested in a Kmart oh <laughs> and ended up with like community service. Yeah. At like a animal shelter. <laughs> you know, and then it's making you a better person. Eventually you I meet like inner city friends that they're like, "No, my dad's still in jail because he, you know." He did the exact same, same thing. thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, my thing in that capacity was like drugs. The fact that I never went to prison. I was a raging drug addict, always carrying drugs. It finally occurred to me like, oh, yeah, I would have been.
2: Right, and yeah. anyone that has any question about white privilege, it's like, it, uh, <laughs> Yeah, think about yeah. some of the things. It's, you, it's bonkers. Stories you'll tell where you got out of this or you confronted
0: this guy or you stood up to that. Yeah.
2: But thankfully, I, by the time I got to college, I called my mom and dad who were literally, this the salt of the earth, and I said, A, sorry about the last four or five years. Things are real clear suddenly. I'm out on my own, and B, thank you so much for the three things, like the lessons. You just you had so much patience and said, all you got to do is be honest. All you got to do is work your hardest, and nobody can ever fault you. If you never tell a lie, then you don't have to remember anything and all that kind of thing. And once that clicked in, then I was like, okay. Thank you, mom and dad. I love you. Now this is ground zero and I'll spend my adulthood trying to make up for the misgivings of my youth.
0: Well, so, yeah, I can relate in that I had a burdensome conscience. So I would do shit, but then it really ate at me, right? And and there was some level that I bailed out. It's like... Yeah, I'll throw apples at cars. Yeah, I'll do this. But then my friends started like smashing mailboxes. I I just pictured my mother, my single mother, having to replace her. I was like, I can't do that. Yeah, I can't like vandalize someone's store. I imagine again, my mom only. So it was weird. I I, I would want to play with it, but then I also would really, I'd feel terrible about some of (laughs) the stuff.
2: That's a wonderful point. I mean, and that's at the heart of the fucking message of empathy worldwide is like, that's somebody's mailbox. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those foreigners that you bombed, that's somebody's family. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Thankfully, at least in our case, we leaned towards Sissy AF and became artists and yeah, yeah. storytellers. And, and so I would just take a moment to say, Please don't vandalize your high school.
1: We've given so many tips. How to mm-hmm. use a chainsaw, yeah. how to vandalize your school. This is more of a tutorial school.
0: than an interview, <laughs> well, yeah, actually. Yeah, which was expected. <laughs> yeah.
2: There are groundskeepers and janitorial staff who Aww. whose hearts you will break yeah. if you vandalize your, your school. Well, also, you-
1: like, you were the captain of the football team <laughs> vandalizing your own football field. It's just so funny, like, Normally, that's the rebel who hates the football guys. Well, no,
2: here's the thing, though. The graffiti was against the opposing team coming in the next day. Then the cover-up was there was a bunch of extra graffiti with the palms blaming the cheerleaders and the cheerleaders blaming the palms. So oh, we threw up smokescreens like a motherfucker. So you, like, are wit, so you were testing your wits. You thought about every step. The principal called me and was like, So, what do you, th- you know, do you think of this as the palms or the chilies? I was like, <laughs> I don't know. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's get a few of them in here and ask some questions. <laughs> that CH looks like the same handwriting. Oh, my as God. <laughs> that's- yeah,
0: this was um, Kaiser Sose in high school. Like, this is the <laughs> high school years. Uh, totally. Uh, well, what, as soon as you told that story, it reminded me of one of my favorite things i ever heard in an AA Share, which was some guy said, um, Look, man, I was a fucking scumbag alcoholic. Like, I'd steal your wallet and then I'd help you look for it. Oh. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God, that's so great. That's it. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert if you dare we are supported by squarespace guys we have a squarespace website that it's just gorgeous that wabi Wob. you uh you built that yourself using all the templates yeah i sure did yeah easy peasy so easy Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. We are supported by BetterHelp. Listen, I understand that sometimes you want to keep things to yourself, process your emotions in your own time. Visit BetterHelp.com/Dax today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P.com/Dax. We are supported by ZipRecruiter. Are there some fantastic concerts coming to your city this summer? Mine too. In fact, Anderson PAX playing at the Hollywood Bowl. I can't wait for Ooh,
1: it. Ooh, that's exciting.
0: Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter, and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com/dax. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com/dax. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Now, I've not read anything to confirm this, but I'm going to guess some bands that are in the mix in this era, if that's okay.
2: Sure. Take a swing.
0: Yeah. I'm going to say Talking Heads. Not yet. Oh, fuck. Uh Uh-oh. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Let's see. If I graduate in 93, this is 88.
2: 88 was my graduating year. Yeah. The cult's not out yet, are they? I don't know. Okay. What were they? I'm off base. I can wrap it up with Uh, with two (laughs) words. Nothing good. (laughs) I grew up in such a cultural (laughs) vacuum. uh, To this day, if it wasn't for my cool friends, who I met in college, in Uh theater school, and they handed me things like the Talking Heads.
0: Right, right, right.
2: A pretty narrow field. Talking Heads. They might be giants. Yeah. Laurie Anderson.
0: Are you friends with someone from They Might Be? Am I imagining something?
2: I have befriended the Johns of They Might Be Giants crazily. Yeah. And I did a music video for them. That's why I know that. Yeah. 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 Which blew my mind because when we were in college, we made a couple videos to a couple of their songs and desperately tried to send them to them for years. And then twenty years later, they were like, "Hey, would you be?" That's, in the- ah, oh, that's you, a Sim. You, but you gotta see our particle man from the cemetery. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: that is a simulation moment it where you're is. like,
2: "Well, this, this is—it's super crazy." I grew up in such a cultural vacuum where it was just the popular, whatever the radio station was or what was on TV, and I had nobody cool. I had no one with any taste. Right. I mean, my older sister has pretty cool taste. She turned me on to like Queen and Wham UK, mm-hmm. and that was enough. In hindsight, that I was like, those were much better choice. Like we went to Duran Duran. Uh huh. That was all better than if I just had the Eagles or whatever.
0: So I guess I would have assumed prior to reading about you that. I knew you and Polar have been friends for a long time, as I'm a friend of hers as well. And I just fucking adore her beyond belief. I hope you still feel that way about her.
2: Yeah. I mean, she's like, I hope we all live to a ripe old age. And when we do, she'll be like a bright, shining luminary in our lifetimes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she's yeah. she's simply a leader.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. She,
2: Who happens to be the funniest person. Just an absolute comedy factory. Mm. And generous
0: and benevolent. Yeah. Yeah, all those things. Yeah, you're right. She's like, when you think about what a world with many more female leaders could look like, I kind of think of her in a way like, oh, yeah, that's the blueprint.
2: And I still work with her making our show, Making It. Right. And three seasons or something? We have done three seasons and it's kind of sporadic. We're hoping for a fourth. We're always waiting to hear I don't know if you're familiar with television networks, (laughs) but...
0: Well, (laughs) the only thing I know about is it's highly predictable. (laughs) You can pretty much... You can do a four-year crop rotation. You can really
2: plan. (laughs) Every time we do it, she and the the other three executive producers in her company are just these smart, kick-ass, powerful ladies Mm. who I've never felt any kind of envy or competition with. All I feel is respect just immediately like oh i hope you're my boss yeah like i hope you're in charge of everything because you're smart and you have all this experience and i'm just a guy well i gotta be honest
0: like if all things are equal i meet a dude that's an eight out of ten on all those factors and then i meet a woman that's eight out of ten on all those factors i know that the woman also climbed over a much bigger hurdle so like i have a built-in respect for someone that's like competent in doing that job knowing, now that could be any minority group, to be honest, where I'm like, fuck, you're all these things. And then also it was probably three times as hard as it was for me to get here.
2: That's a very salient point. And to put it in physical terms, when you think about being out in the wild, as it were, we straight white men are just required to have much less vision. The periphery of apex predators, oh. we've got it down, mm-hmm. but all the other classifications are much more susceptible to the tigers of history.
0: Yes, And yes. so
2: the eight out of 10 woman is like, yes, we just have a much better chance of surviving with you watching out for the predators than yeah. me. Really true. Because I like beer more <laughs> than you. Well, also, I'm way more concerned. The predator
0: is an element, to, but, but to be honest, all I want is Nick to think I'm radical fighting the, the thing. I actually... All the other stuff is kind of secondary yes. to the main goal at all times, which is like, you think I'm a badass.
2: Exactly. <laughs> oh my God. They have the perspicacity to be like, okay, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's so cute, <laughs> as soon but, as you're but it's done. not cute anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to need groceries. Well, I never finished. My point was is I would have assumed that because of the
0: polar background that you were probably like Second City or maybe improv Olympic or any of these things. But you were more of like a, just a straight actor. Is that fair to say?
2: hundred percent, yeah. I went to theater school at the University of Illinois at Champaign-Urbana, mm. which sounds funny, but they have a great theater school. You're not the first person we've interviewed that's gone there and studied acting. Yeah, they give you a great set of fundamentals. It was lost on me. <laughs> I, I sucked just about as bad when I left there as when I got there. <laughs> Through no fault of their own, just because I w- was not waking up. I had not opened my eyes yet. What wasn't clicking? I didn't get the... Value of myself in my art. Mm -hmm. Uh, I devalued myself from the get go, and all of these cool kids from the city, or all of these like movie stars my age, I was like, oh, I have to try hard to be cool like them. What I bring to the table, who cares? Boring. And so the whole time I was like trying way too hard to be fucking cool when I would do my stuff. (laughs) And I'd be like, why don't you just talk normal? Well,
0: (laughs) I'm going to read you. I I love that you're saying this because I was going to read you like the very last thing I was probably going to say to you, which is, (laughs) I don't know if it was fortitude or unconscious, but to see someone stay true to who they are and not try to bend themselves into what you thought might work. Because from the outside, I look at you getting on Parks and Rec at 39, I'm thinking- God bless this guy for not trying to do what everyone else did. And, and and then the time arose where his unique set of everything is celebrated.
2: That ain't easy. No, it, it takes stubbornness. It, it, <laughs> I mean, depending on who you talk to or which of my landlords you talk to, it, it, it takes stupidity or rudeness. <laughs> but stubbornness and, and tenacity. I found out you could get paid to be in plays in Chicago. Mm. And so that was my, I was like, great life solved. Yeah, (laughs) And I went to Chicago and set about doing that. And I also got paid to build scenery for companies. And I was a fight choreographer. And I met Amy because one of my best friends lived in a house with Matt Besser, one of her Mm. Upright Citizens Brigade guys. And so we met and it was pretty weird, like, especially looking back on it at what happened to us. It was like 93 or 4. And we just kind of recognized, I don't know, a sibling energy. I remember she would punch me in the arm and be like, What's up, Offerman? And she got a kick out of me for whatever reason, uh, because I was a particular brand of stupid. And it wasn't until years later that it even occurred to me A, that you could get to SNL from Second City and Improv Olympic. So when I met Amy, she was like, oh, yeah, I do improv. And I was like, "What? you work at a zoo? Like, it, I, it couldn't have been more alien. And I was like, okay, let me you get this straight. You make shit up in a bar? Okay, I perform works of literature upon this stage. Good luck with you and your friends making funny faces and, like, it is funny.
0: If you've been in this bubble for long enough, some of the people you've pitied <laughs> at times and you, yeah. you feel like, oh, fuck, did I miss the boat on that one?
2: <laughs> but I do appreciate, I think if there's anything looking at my track record or whatever, it is that. It's like it wasn't through wisdom or cognizance. It was just through common sense. Like I knew in my gut that I I wasn't going to be slick I knew that I was never going to have X factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, you ironically do, do, but yes, I know what you're saying. You would only have X factor as you.
2: Right, but I didn't realize that that was the case. I instead equated it with like what other successful people are doing, that must be X factor. Yeah, yeah. And what I'm doing and not succeeding is stupid. Yeah, yeah. But I can't think of anything else to do. So I'm going to keep talking slow and growing whiskers somewhere out there, somebody's got, someday. <laughs> One day they'll have a need. This is good. looking for a slow-talking mustache.
0: You know what it is? Uh, The script came in real light. It's only about 22 pages, and of course, it should be 34. So do we have any actors that can make one of these two-minute scenes, like seven, eight minutes? That would be ideal.
1: But was Parks written like that? Like, where you're like, oh, I'm perfect for this, or... They wrote it for you, right? They tailored it. No,
2: no. It's one of those things where pretty quickly, with all the cast, it's interesting, they cast... Rashida and Aziz and Aubrey and even Amy before they had anything written.
0: I remember this. This is when I was kind of around her a lot. And, and what I had heard is like, oh, some folks from The Office, she's gonna do a show with them. It's greenlit, but we're not even sure what the oh. show is maybe. It was gonna in be, in be an Office it was spinoff. A, yeah, it was a spinoff, but yeah. then it wasn't, yeah. Right.
2: And so when Mike Schur and Greg Daniels were creating the show, They met somebody in Burbank. It was a woman, I believe, who worked in the government. She may have worked for the Parks Department, who was a libertarian who wanted to bring down the government. Uh (laughs) And so that was was the spark of Leslie's boss, of of Amy's boss on the show. And... I think it was a little crazy. I initially read for another part, and then they decided that didn't work, and they tried to put me on Ron. And Ron was, I think, supposed to be older. Uh-huh. But somehow <laughs> I brought that 62-year-old <laughs> flow where yeah. they were like, oh, this guy's way older than these old guys. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Somehow it clicked, and they didn't want to believe it. NBC spent months where they were like, I don't know about Offerman. He's like, something's not right. And they auditioned everybody else and their brother, and then finally were like, well, we can't find anybody (laughs) better, so I guess you can cast him. (laughs) But so then once they they put us in on the roles, then they, great comedy writers, that's their brilliances. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. They'd look at Dax and they're like, okay, maybe a little too handsome for his own good, you know, (laughs) maybe athletic, (laughs) but cocky. So he tries to juggle in the wrong circumstance. Well, I did get
0: to be on that show once and I pretty much played that. I played some guy who had won like a bunch of um, Great Lakes (laughs) (laughs) Emmys. I was like a a, a king of my little world. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I was like, um, and
1: on the good place, you were like a demon. the grossest
0: guy. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty clear how sure things of me, no, which is fine. It's fine. No. It, it's just nice to be thought of.
3: Exactly.
0: <laughs> we were just talking about this with another guest. It was like my mom would, would was like, "When are you going to play someone not really stupid?" And I was like, "You know, mama, I'm going to play whoever the fuck they hire me to
2: play." Our poor moms. I know
0: <laughs> oh. it's so hard to understand what's happening out here for them, isn't
2: it? It is, but. Eventually, like, I've gotten kissed a couple times, and I'm so happy. As soon as I get that job, I immediately call my mom, and I'm like, Mom, this is totally like a love story. I get kissed by Tony Collette, and there's no catch. Yeah, it's it's, It's
3: just straight (laughs) up. (laughs) I
2: end the protagonist. You have hypnotized her. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I hilariously became aware of you pretty soon after I moved here in the late 90s. I forget how far I got in the process but it was one of the first things where I got some traction and was getting looked at hard for idiot uh, Idiocracy. Idiocracy Idiocracy Oh my god mm. yes you would have been a great friend. And I was like oh my god my, my best friend that I lived with I was like I found it I found my part This guy all he does is masturbate like <laughs>
0: Yeah, eat eat a Flacheron. And and something happened out of
2: Chicago, similarly with Sam, the Bob Fosse greatest actor. of Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Rockwell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Similar thing where I was like, oh my God, my part for uh, maybe Box of Moonlight. Some movie where a Chicago casting director was like, it's going to happen. You're the right weirdo for blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, so that's how this business works. Someone can tell you it's happening, and it can still not happen.
0: Or it could even happen and then still and then not still happen. still exactly. There's like nine ways you get cut
2: out. It, it can never it can see happen. the light of day. <laughs> and it was a great lesson And then like, because maybe right around then IMDB was about to be born. Mm-hmm. So it, you used to not be able to know who the hell somebody would be like, well, what the hell, who are they? Where do they, you know? Yeah. But that was the beginning of my list was Sam Rockwell and then you where I was like, oh okay. What, what company? <laughs> Fucking weirdos. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Someone's got to play them. Yeah, flippy, like masturbating. <laughs> yeah, no the way. guy, The guy in the next cell who's always got his dick out. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's good work if you found, get it. <laughs> we found our niche. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wasn't it's a complaining. It's like It is. It is. And then pretty quickly, I somehow got shunted, because you guys were both in like, there's a sexuality in bo- to both you guys that somehow... I got shunted over into Rain Wilson which uh-huh, who uh-huh. I love I mean who's was a leader and a philosopher king yeah. but it, we were like the guys in the basement that you were sh- were like are they programming a computer or a robot <laughs> and shouldn't be scared of them and ultimately uh-huh. usually it was like no they're nice guys yeah you'll yeah. find that
0: out much later but yeah
2: like Laszlo and the real genius whereas like Yo, yes, okay yes, those you're guys living in the
0: closet they
2: were okay that's after right. all that
0: great writer. Great reference, great reference. Can I tell you my favorite line of that whole thing? Please. Oh, my God. It led to one of the best stories that ever happened to me. If you recall, they hated Kent. He was the, the antagonist. Totally. And at one point, they said, Kent, what were you doing naked with that bowl of jello? This is a movie? Yes, a real yeah. genius with Val Kilmer. Uh, incredible performance. The movie's fantastic. And I was maybe 14 when I watched that movie. I don't know. And I was like, oh, a bowl of jello. That would feel fantastic. But we did not eat jello in my house. And I promise you, it was in my mind for about nine years. And I finally moved to LA and I was in my one-bedroom apartment in Santa Monica. And it literally like a light bulb. I was like, I have a car, I've got money, and Savon sells jello. Oh Went to Savon. They were selling jello for five for a dollar. I was like, this is meant to be. I brought the Jello home. I already told the story. I'm not gonna. I, we but,
1: haven't heard it in a long uh, time. Okay, though. I will okay, say okay. that.
0: Okay. So so I go I go home and I make this Jello and I make it in a, in a like a mason jar type thing. What color, please? Red, <laughs> red. Yeah. It's, it's a relevant. Very, yeah, it's a very relevant part of the story. Hell, so yeah. that's I believe that flavor <laughs> is cherry. Go <gone>. on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, so I make it. I've never made it in my life. I make it. I put it in the Jello and then I sit in my lazy boy like I'm waiting for a call girl to come over. Like I'm just like fucking firm <laughs> up already. Right? Like I keep checking it in the fridge. And, finally I get it out of the fridge and I think I was too, well, I learned I was too early because I put my dick in this thing. I'm in my kitchen. I'm standing. I'm like, I shouldn't go to my bed in case it gets somewhere. So I'm literally in my kitchen. I put my dick in it, a couple pumps and I'm just fucking a glass of Kool-Aid. It's just a mess and and the shit's getting all over the floor and I'm like, this was a total disaster. I can't believe I want to do this forever. Go to bed, wake up the next morning, go to pee, look at my dick. I'm like, I have a weird rash on my dick. Mm. I thought, oh, it's kind of like when you take a black light. Mm. Like what occurred to me was, oh my God, this is exposed an STD I have. That was Uh, my conclusion.
2: Right, right.
0: I don't have insurance. I go to this free clinic in LA. (laughs) I cannot tell them I fucked a thing of Jell-O. So I tell Uh. them that my girlfriend and I were experimenting with Jell-O, okay? (laughs) So I'm in this little curtained off area and i'm waiting for the doctor to come in the doctor comes in and i'm promising you nick that she was out of a casting office she was like she must have been a day out of med school she was so beautiful it was impossible oh my god and she says let me see what's going on i pull my penis out and she gets down like on her knees and her face is right in front of my penis and she's looking 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 and she goes i promise you she goes what flavor was the Jello? <laughs> and I go, I was like, um, I think cherry or strawberry. <laughs> and she goes, Oh, I like the some other flavor. Ugh. And when she said I like the other flavor, I became fully aroused because Ugh. I was twenty-one years old. So, so now man. I have a raging boner in front of this person's face. What? The whole thing oh. was a fucking disaster. I don't have an STD. she's like, it's nothing. I go home, I finally get a girlfriend, Brie. We're living together. And many, many times after dinner, she says, Do you want Jell O? Oh no, I don't want any jello. Because she sees I have four boxes of jello in the in the cupboard. And I go, No, I don't want any jello. I don't want any Finally she's like, Why don't you why do you have jello if you don't want it? And I I just blurted out finally like, I don't I don't eat jello. I fucked a thing of jello and there's four left.
2: Oh god! It was on sale. Yeah, I couldn't pass oh it on. Oh my God. I'm, next I don't even time know how he got on that. I see Kristen Bell. I'm going to shake her hand <laughs> fulsomely. Because that is, when I say to people <laughs> oh that when I met my wife and I realized I was going to marry her, mm-hmm. pretty quickly I came to understand that it was an act of self-preservation. Like, I was saving my own life mm. f- because of stories like that. Because I... I'm a Jello fucker. I mean,
3: <laughs> we'll, I mean, we we
2: come by it us, you know. We we love the movies. We we love to make love, you know.
0: That's right, that's right. Okay, so um, you had a line from Real Genius. That's how this started.
2: There's an old joke, by the way, uh, from a long time ago, where a guy keeps going to the doctor with an orange dick, and he can't. <laughs> the doctor can't figure it out, and he's and the guy eventually, you know, after the three go rounds the guys like i don't know i uh, go home i uh get home from the grocery store i, I eat a bunch of cheese balls and then <laughs> and then read a playboy magazine uh, <laughs> 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 i used to
3: That's
0: tell funny. people that and they never believe me but it is the fucking truth they had the best interviews of all time my favorite interview oh. i've ever read in my life is a Nolan wilson interview in playboy and truly, I did have a subscription to that magazine. And by the way, I need something more raucous than what was going on in Playboy. So I really just got it for those juicy interviews. Sure. And no one ever believed that. No, I mean it's because it's so typical, it's yeah. so cliche. But, but I'm telling, I'll admit to fucking Jello. So I, you can believe me when I say that the Playboy <laughs> wasn't doing it for me.
2: Absolutely. And also, I, once I began to read, because even a teenager eventually runs out of steam. <laughs> And that's so you're right, like, all right, right well, no, <laughs> sure, sure,
3: what's yeah. this uh, Burt
2: Reynolds <laughs> interview? Boom, great one. I and, own that one. And then you come to realize, oh, there's like a Hunter S. Thompson quality to this journalism that there's a licentiousness that's allowable in here. Yes. That it brings yeah. a level of candor that you don't find elsewhere. I totally agree. So back to the fortitude, we have a great friend,
0: our friend Jess. He is six foot seven. He is openly gay. He is so specific Red
1: and hair, bright red, red hair.
0: red hair, six foot seven. And over the years, it's like, I can see the temptation. It's like, come in and read for this thing. Well, I got to kind of be butch, i will tell me. Like, I got to be, and of course, it, it's easy for me to say, because I'm not him, but I'll be like, man, just stay exactly who you are. Like, that's yeah. the thing. But it's fucking
2: hard, man. It is so hard. Well, especially 99% of actors start out broke. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And -hmm. so it's not a matter of artistic integrity. It's like I had a molar when I moved here from Chicago with a hole in it that I could fit a peppercorn in the smaller, which was handy on a hike. (laughs) uh, But eventually I was like, man, I really should probably have this looked at. And I've heard tell of medical, like SAG (laughs) dental plans. And so it's it's literally a matter of like, pay my rent, buy my food, get my health insurance. And so you end up doing, like we all have horror stories of the Uh, worst crap that you're so excited, like, I did it. Yeah, I got a full week's paycheck that's worth three months of carpenter wages. Or, or getting taft lead. Oh my God, oh. getting like, taft What was Hartleied. the commercial?
0: Yeah. Lip cream for guys who blow a lot of dudes. Yes, I'll take that. 100%. Do you have a a specific memory of the absolute low point? Well, As far as like being hired to do something and then getting there and going, the excitement's worn off and now I'm doing this.
2: It was pretty potent and, <laughs> and I have to say, I mean, I'm going to disparage a person in this story Uh-oh. and he deserves it. But, <laughs> but like but we all but we all have the capability of being this person. I mean, the older I get and the more I learn, the more about humanity sinks in that requires nuance and empathy because I could be that asshole tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But It was in the late 90s, and me and my roommate got cast on this show called, I think, just Profiler. Hmm. She was a very good actress. She works for the FBI, and she's a profiler. She has, like, a supernatural ability to, like, suss out serial killers and Mm. shit. And I want to say it was on ABC. And me and my roommate were cast. We were thrilled because we both were from Chicago, and we were cast as buddies like a serial killing team. Sure. He had like a, a deformed hand. <laughs> okay. Oh, my, oh my. and right. so I would catch like girls for him oh to boy. have his way with. And then we would have you to were just do, a wingman. for I, a was. Serial. I was the enabler and I was the candy man. And then we would have to dispose of the girls and we get the job. We're so excited. We'd, we'd just been in town a few months. And I remember coming from theater where we're snotty to a fault, where it's like, we perform the works of literature. Like, would you say this scene is more Chekhovian or is this (laughs) an, an Ibsen thing? And I remember calling like the casting director, being like in the breakdown and in the scenes, it just says Southern. Mm. These guys are Southern. I was like, is this Dallas? Is it New Orleans? Is it Georgia? Is this hard ours? Or is it, is it genteel ours? And they were like, it's fucking Southern. Like do what you did for the audition. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to be on TV. And it's, these people are treating it like garbage. They don't care. So we go do the thing. And, that sort of set the tone where it was like, they're cranking out this fodder. Yeah. And in, in a nutshell, the actor, Robert Davi, was like number three on the show. I don't know what he was going through, but he was having a bad time at home, I'm guessing. And he was ta- he was <laughs> taking it out on the company. Oh, no. So we're getting ready to shoot a scene. You've got 50 people. Okay, so let's settle. So let's roll sound. Okay, Robert, are you ready? <laughs> And he would start singing, I Gotta Be Me. Or oh, he would start Jesus. acting out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm, what, I'm 27. He's probably 44 or something. So, And he's been in movies and stuff. And I'm like, what the fuck <laughs> is going on here? This guy has made it. Yeah. 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 He's, he's so won mad the about. lottery. And he's being a dick. He's being like the spoiled kid to all these people. Mm. And- Uh, I went to theater school. Like, I want to tenaciously cling to the hope that we're, like, making art, Mm -hmm. that we're doing storytelling as medicine to society, but (laughs) you're really fucking... (laughs) You're pulling that real thin over there, man. And he just... He would continuously do that, would, like, act out Mm. to let everyone know. Then he would begin arguing about, like, not having enough dialogue or if someone else got the blow line or the laugh line... And I was like, oh, wow, this is okay. This is a a huge education. So, I mean, and the end of the story, and this is the the actual cautionary tale part because I wouldn't begrudge anybody for taking any job to get your tooth fixed. But the cautionary (laughs) tale part is, it's the first time I got on like a network show like this. I called everybody Uh, across the country. uh, I had a viewing party because it was me and my roommate. And we all sit down to watch the show and the opening credits... And there's our names. Everybody cheers. And the show starts. And just immediately we're like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Turn it off. Turn it off. Don't wa- like, oh, no. My mom's watching this. Like, this is so bad. And I told everyone to watch it. Uh, I've had
0: similar experiences. in it. And the thing that is such great life advice is like, Oh, yeah, this story I told myself where if I get that thing, I'm going to be happy. Well, I'm witnessing someone have the exact thing I want. It doesn't seem to be having any impact on their Mm well-being. That's a good thing to witness. I've met a couple of the titans in the comedy world and have noticed that they are pretty much miserable, and I'm like, good. I mean, not good for them, but... I need to see that. Um, right. It's not going to it's not going to cure any ailment of mine.
2: You know what, in that very same apartment where we had that horrible watch party, a friend of mine who <laughs> was from the Chicago theater community of John Cusack and Jeremy Piven and that group, he was good buddies with them and our buddy was was over visiting and John Cusack was coming to pick him up to go play basketball. And we hadn't met him like we were quietly like holy shit. You know, yeah. John Cusack blows in the front door of our house, screaming at, and this is early, like we didn't have a cell phone yet. He's got a cell phone. This is like 99 or something. (laughs) And he's like, like screaming at somebody on the phone. Like, fuck you. I'm not, no, I'm not budging. Fuck you. Hang up. So sorry, guys. Paul, are you ready? Let's go. Oh, wow. (laughs) And they they leave him like, okay, take it easy. And he blows out of there. And later we learn that he was screaming at his agent that he had optioned a property that he was developing into a book, into a script. And he was screaming about the changes that the studio wanted to make to this script. And it comes from this, this venerated Piven theater Institute in Evanston. Like that guy comes from artistry. And I just really identified with this where he was screaming about basically a studio being like, okay, let's take this character, what if we make the chick a, a black guy? <laughs> and you know, and what about what if the frog can sing, you know, like they're making these notes. And me and my roommates were like, let's just take a breath here and, and take note of the fact that you can be John Cusack, who was a, yeah, a the keys, an A-list movie yeah, star. Yeah. And you can still be screaming at people to try and make your art the way you want.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, because that's another thing is you fall for this fantasy that you will never hear a no again. Mm -hmm. Like that making it really means you're going to have full license to do what you want. That just, for good reason, doesn't ever happen. No. Yeah.
2: Or that if you get into a project that has a big budget or big names on it, that automatically means it's good.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. That also
2: never yeah like when you're lucky enough to win the lottery enough that you get to like pick stuff yeah you get to read a bunch of stuff and pick one you're like oh wow actually there's a lot of really bad stuff oh yeah 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 well
0: your whole lens changes it's just like any script you got to read was like opportunity and now it's just a different paradigm stay tuned for more armchair expert if you dare We are supported by Intuit the technology platform that builds your financial confidence. There's some things that school doesn't really teach you, like how to handle the financial world. I mean, look, I did 16 years of school and I didn't have a single class on accruing debt or a hole that that puts you on. Yeah, in. they don't teach you that. No effort made whatsoever. If you want more financial knowledge, now is a great time to learn with Intuit for Education Program. It has free, easy-to-use resources like getting a car loan with credit karma simulations, understanding taxes with TurboTax lessons, and even learning to run a business with QuickBooks simulations. Check out Intuit's free resources today at intuit.com slash education. Intuit, that's I-N-T-U-I-T dot slash education. We are supported by Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Mm. Ooh.
1: Myrtle Beach, I have so much nostalgia
0: Me too, I did a spring break in Myrtle yes. Beach Did you guys used to go there from Georgia?
1: Yeah, it mm. was a very common beach destination Ugh.
0: Long sun-drenched days Live music every night And 60 miles of uninterrupted coastline to enjoy The beach truly is where your best self comes out Combine that with the irresistible aroma of fresh seafood, southern classics, and local low-country cuisine from over 2,000 restaurants, and you've got yourself the perfect vacation. You belong at the beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. That's visitmyrtlebeach.com. We are supported by Wayfair. Home should be your happy place, a space where you can relax and just enjoy yourself, whatever that looks like for you. Whether you want the ultimate man cave, a cozy Victorian-inspired nook for reading, an area for family movie night filled with all things retro, or something else. And if you need help creating that space, I recommend Wayfair. It's the place to shop for everything home, from sofas to dining tables, beds, rugs, wall art, and more.
1: I bought a KitchenAid... Mixer? Mixer on Wayfair. You can really get anything on there. And I'm helping a friend redo his living room and we just
0: you're just on Wayfair on. non-stop yep yeah it's one-stop shop it is they have fast free shipping they have everything you need for your home inside and out they have a huge selection of home goods and a variety of styles whatever you're into Wayfair is the go-to destination to help bring your vision to life every style is welcome in the Waberhood visit Wayfair.com or get the Wayfair mobile app that's W-A-Y-F-A-I-R dot com Wayfair, every style, every home. This is a question that I have, of course, rooted in my own egocentricity, which is like I dated a famous woman, then married a famous woman, and you fell in love and got married to Megan, and there was a good chunk there where she was quite, quite famous and quite successful, and you were trying to just cobble together jobs, I assume, at that point. I've had that experience and it's to watch someone rightfully be frustrated with having too much work while you are so hungry for some work. For me, it was a lot of mental gymnastics. I wonder, was that easy for you or was that hard for
2: you at all? People kept telling me that it should be hard. It was interesting. People in her life told her... Be careful about this mm-hmm. broke basement-dwelling theater uh, troll. Uh, yeah, like Which, by the way, isn't terrible advice. No, it's not. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely exercise <laughs> caution in this town, <laughs> for sure, uh, uh. 100%. <laughs> but I don't know. Again, I come from such good parents that I was having a very bad time for two or three years when I first got here. I couldn't make the transition from the Chicago theater community where I was making my living 24-7 in the theater. hmm and then I moved to LA, and I absolutely foolishly assumed that LA would be a better theater town than Chicago because it's where all the actors and, yeah, yeah, and the yeah. writers are. Right. And turns out that's not the case because all of those people are trying to work in film and TV as opposed yeah. to theater. They can
0: commit to something like
2: yeah, absolutely. And nobody's going out to the theater because they're all trying to work in the biz. And so, so I was really having a tough time finding my way. And so when I uh, started dating Megan and moved in with her and she was just about to win her first Emmy it was after t- first two years of Will and Grace so she was just a superstar and, and a legend it didn't occur to me to find a downside in that like i was a <laughs> right, drunk right. lonely loser yeah, 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 yeah. Now i was a drunk happy <laughs> carpenter getting kissed yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and i really f- like felt like <laughs> I happily felt like my life had peaked where I was like, holy shit, I made it. And I was working like I would get like a guest star job. I'd Mm -hmm. get a Sundance movie. I was working consistently. I was a, I was a dependable character actor. Right. And I were busy. I was getting paid as an actor. Yeah. It wasn't busy. It was sporadic. It would be like three to four months a year. Mm -hmm. And otherwise I was building furniture and working as a carpenter and, and i was mr malali like i would bring her her slippers and her pipe at the end of the day and, uh, you know uh, keep her rubber din- feet yeah keep her dinner warm and i <laughs> and i was like this is incredible that's awesome Good I, for yeah you. That's i'm so envious healthy. of that
0: it truly is i think what gives you the ability to do that is you have defined yourself in a lot of different ways and not just being an actor and i think that's where Sounds all the books you've written that's where the carpentry is like I do believe because you have a multifaceted identity that when the one chunk of it, the one slice of the pie wasn't working, you weren't collapsing as an individual. Whereas I, 15 years ago, wasn't pursuing enough things to define myself other than just my job. So the value, and that's what your book ultimately is, is it imploring people to go outside, go in nature, get in connection with something, I think that is what the safety net for you might have been. Would you agree? That's a big swing.
2: Yes, absolutely is the case. I wish I could take credit for it that I had the idea. Right, right, right. Well, if I was wise. uh, (laughs) (laughs) But instead, I was just following my natural proclivities, which was like, okay, no auditions this week, but I can work. I also hung lights for Disney for some years. Like I had work. I could pay my rent, but I don't know. My sensei in college, this kabuki theater teacher who uh, is still a big part of my life, named Shozo Sato, he married me and Megan with a tea ceremony. And like I had such a Mr. Miyagi experience with him. Yeah, And one of the best wax on, wax off things he ever said to me was to always maintain the attitude of a student. And the older I get, the more it sinks in where it simply means stay open and curious, understand that as human beings, we're never done cooking, that we always can be learning something, improving something in our lives and the lives of those around us. And that just always allowed me to be like, okay, well, I don't have the opportunity to to become a working actor this month but I can become a fine woodworker or I can mm-hmm. r- I can learn about agrarianism. And I got really into learning about where my food comes from. Mm-hmm. And that led to like, oh, none of us know where our food comes <laughs> right, from. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, none of us know where anything comes from. <laughs> yeah. correct? We are giving all of our money to corporate interests. And with that, we give them our agency and say like, okay, electric company, I assume you're gonna be cool with the way you extract, coal. like here's here's my money, I'm sure you're gonna be cool about like getting coal and turning that into my electricity, right? Because yeah. you're not dicks, right?
0: Right, and you guys, like from the goodness of your heart, will try to figure out how to evolve out of that <laughs> right. system, which is really <laughs> inexpensive for you right now, but you'll take on a higher,
2: right? <laughs> I mean, uh, you'll get you'll yeah, your profit margin. Okay, in half, right? okay, yeah. Okay, fast food company. <laughs> here's my money. I assume <laughs> that you're concerned with the well being of the animals <laughs> and, and, and my so coronary forth. health, <laughs> and your employees, and so yeah, like, mm-hmm. and just across right. the board. And that's if this book is anything, it's just it's a trumpet to all of us, including me, to stay awake to say, oh. What is the rut what is the consumer rut that I've been drawn into mine is work boots tools, SUV you yeah, know yeah, yeah. flannel shirts etc <laughs> uh-huh. smoker like uh, wood chip smoker yeah. like we're all, or what are you I'm a green egg man Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have two smokers oh. one is a green egg and one is from Tulsa it's called a hasty bake oh. And-
0: my father-in-law, if I had to guess who, if he had ever had an extramarital affair, which he wouldn't, I would guess it'd be with his big green egg. I mean, he I have had more conversations about that big green egg. Oh, man. Uh, it's a religion, the big green egg.
2: It's a beautiful piece of Japanese engineering. They don't, they don't fuck around, the, the Japanese. Both that and single malt scotch, which are two of my favorite vices. Uh, yeah. How much are we drinking? Me, not much. Oh, no, not much. No, I used to love drinking, and then Megan and I used to drink together. I mean, we sort of met after we were both over the hill of full revelry. Right, right, right. right. And she is is a, an amazing, like, Broadway singer, and she has a band. So eventually, she just tapered down to nothing. She was like, you know what? I don't enjoy wine that much. Like, right. Like, I have so much fun at a party whether I drink or not.
0: Yeah, does it take more or does it give more? And she right. probably was like, well, I
2: think it's taking more. So, just for health, she just quit outright. Mm-hmm. And so that really brought that. I was <laughs> like, sure. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you start getting
0: real conscious of how much yes. you're drinking when the person next to you is not Very drinking anything. So. Yeah, yeah.
2: So now I treat it much more like a nice dessert aperitif. Uh huh. Well, Which,
0: I love those. Uh, I got to see, we have mutual friends, uh, Morgan and Dean. Dean's involved in those, yeah? He is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, From the get-go. Yeah, and um you have these amazing commercials
2: for a single malt, They right?
1: speak so highly of you. They
2: do, they do. Well, it's mutual. But these are two of the main producers of Parks and Rec, unsung heroes, Morgan Sackett and Dean Holland. Dean won Emmys for editing The Office mm-hmm. and then became... He directed more episodes of Parks and Rec than anybody else. He and was
0: Kristen's favorite director by a yeah. long shot on
2: Good Place. He's so talented. He is. He's an undeniable storyteller. And the three of us have this relationship where we make these commercials for Lagavulin Scotch, which is Ron's favorite Scotch.
3: <laughs> and it's
2: just one of those things where it's a mutually beneficial relationship where we get to make stupid comedy shorts. Yeah. I mean, like every dumbass kid has been making our whole lives but we found someone to pay us yeah. to, and like fly us to Scotland to do it yeah. and we just love it we both have benefited greatly from the talent and wisdom of these guys
1: but they just BTS people will probably love to hear this Morgan, Dean and Kristen have a production company called Dunshire which is from Parks and Rec Dunshire is from Parks and Rec because it's the There's game, game that, that Adam Scott the cones created. of Dunshire, cones of Dunshire. <laughs> it's all exactly. about the cones. <laughs> the cones of Dunshire
0: <laughs> so where the deer An antelope play i want to ask you about one of the specific stories in it because we had the pleasure of interviewing him and i gotta say of the you know hundreds of people we've talked to this was one of the people where i really was like i want to go on a walk with this person or i want to i just want to be around this person which is george saunders like admittedly i hadn't been like a big fan of his work or anything but just hearing him talk about writing and the way he talks about it i was just like man, this motherfucker is one of the most special guys I've ever had a conversation with. And so I was just delighted to hear that he's part of your book.
2: Yeah, he and Jeff Tweedy and I crazily all met in 2014 and formed just this weird three-way bromance where <laughs> we all we all are attached to like sh- the Chicagoland area. George grew up on the South Side. Jeff lives there for his whole adult life. And I spent my formative years becoming a, a decent naturalistic actor there. (laughs) And George, he sneaks up on you. He's like a ninja with his Buddhism because Mm. part of it's because he sounds like he's from the south side of Chicago. So he's got kind of a real sort of disarming casualness about him.
0: Yeah. I feel so unjudged by his Yes,
2: He's so good at uh, at empathy and sort of making the room feel equal. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And I say it in the book that hanging out with Jeff and George, because Jeff Tweedy, same thing. Like, they both are so good at what they do. George writes fiction. Jeff makes beautiful music. Wilco. And they both are such gorgeous poets and philosophers. And so to get to hang out with them, and it's weird because, like, the thing they value in me is sort of ephemeral. It's like acting moments.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? It's not something you
2: can hold on a page or, like, put on the record player. Yeah, yeah. And so I just always feel like the little brother who is really lucky that these two guys are letting me ride in their Trans Am. And they're like, okay, Nick, this is called Frank Zappa. (laughs) So what do you guys do when you get together? I mean, what did you guys do in the book? Well, we went hiking for a week in Glacier National Park, which was Jeff's idea. And it was so generous, having described them the way I just did. Jeff and I were playing a show together at Largo on New Year's Eve, and I was talking to him about this book idea. And he said, hey, what if me, you, and George went somewhere pretty and, and went walking and you could like use our conversations?
0: Wow.
2: What a generous oh, offer, Jesus. How about you bring your pen and we'll give you a book? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> How does that yeah. sound to you? <laughs> I was like, okay, Jeff, that sounds like a good idea, Jeff. let me <laughs> Let me make a few calls. <laughs> <laughs> and so so we did and first and foremost we just love each other and have fun together. Yeah. And do what anybody does hiking in glacier which is like, oh my god, look at that waterfall. Holy shit, look at that mountain. <laughs> Look at that cloud, you guys. It looks like a fog hat record cover. <laughs> and we also had a guide, which I highly recommend. It's something that it's sort of a machismo trope that you should never Oh yeah. You should I, never yeah. get a guide. This you know? would be
0: my problem. Yeah.
2: And don't even look at a map, just head off into the woods. <laughs> no, I
0: know where the fucking sun sets.
2: And the thing is, that is fun. There is something to be said for that quality, but it's also amazing to go to a museum and have somebody who knows what the hell yes. they're talking about. It's deeply fascinating. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. So we had a really great guide named John. And so we also then just got into the history of the land. And pretty quickly, the point of my book, which is the lens through which we modern humans, the lens through which we view nature, period, a lot of it is wrapped up in our national parks. When you think of like conservation, I think of John Muir Greenpeace or Sierra Club or Yosemite. And... Walking with this historian, this guide, and and looking at this incredible, beautiful landscape, thinking, "Oh my God, look at this untouched beauty," and he- hearing him be like, "Yes, we scraped the Blackfeet Nation from wow. like the reason this looks so untouched is because we brutally killed all the motherfuckers that used to live here." Yeah, yeah. and it, it's literally Indigenous Peoples Day that we that we're onto the subject matter, right? Like, yeah. And I had to marvel at my soft, white ass in that moment where I was like, I can't believe I can still be surprised by this information. Yeah. So that really gave it a specific perspective that engendered a lot of conversation about the way we treat one another and empathy in general. The idea of the book is to sort of reawaken us to our place in the economy of mother nature, like to back us out of consumerism and capitalism, not paying attention to what the channels are telling us, but instead to what our watershed and our, our ecosystem and our animals and basically the health of, our, of the planet is saying to us. People often say we have to save the planet, but it's backing our ego out of that and realizing the planet's gonna be fine. We're gonna yeah, perish. Exactly. <laughs> it's, us, it's us we have yeah. to be worried about. Yeah. yeah
1: you won't like this because you already said you've been put in that category, but you are so much like Rain. We had him on, and it was like one of my favorite conversations we've ever had. He's so thoughtful and sweet, but strong, and I feel like you guys are very much of the same.
2: I take that as a huge compliment, but I, I look up to Rain. I mean, Rain's is a holy person. Yeah. And I'm dipshit who appreciates well, no. what, what he's laying
0: down. Well, I imagine if I were not lucky enough to have this experience kind of often... I'd imagine listening to you and going to Glacier in the same way people might hear two people talk about meditating, which is just like it seems daunting. So I'm curious from your perspective, because I know personally I need to be in those situations for a minute. Like I gotta decompress. If if I drive right now and I get out in Yellowstone, when I get out of the car and be like, yeah, there's a mountain, there's a river, it's underwhelming for a minute. It's actually I gotta actually decompress and get out of the the frenetic life I have before I actually start experiencing the thing. So I would say to, or I'm only guessing, but I imagine a lot of people have the experience where like they go to that thing and they're just a little maybe bored Mm -hmm. and they might think it's not for them. But I guess I would, just speaking personally, here's a great example. We all went to Sedona. I was shooting there, but we had a lot of time off. and, And what we slowly came to just relish was every night... We would go lie on the asphalt in front of the house, all of us just in the road, and it had been hot out that day, so it was holding heat. And we lay on our backs and watch the stars. And I'm telling you, we would watch the stars for two and a half, three hours. And I was like, I am as riveted right now as I am watching devs, by the way. Amazing job. But it took me a minute to get to that spot, but I was so relieved. Remember, I kept saying it. That, like, so I'm so relieved lovely. that I haven't actually been permanently damaged. Mm. By the incessant dopamine dump I get from all the gadgets and the in the pace, but it takes a minute.
2: Well, the, you, you make a great point, and a thank you for the nice compliment you plugged in there for Doug. <laughs> it right in. in. I'm very yeah. proud of that work. No, it's fucking awesome. That show is so cool. B. One of my last chapters is titled "Sedona Blows," and, and the uh. the reason is <laughs> the reason is because I hate when people are are like, "You guys, I found the most amazing burger stand." in Highland Park, and then you ruin that burger stand Ah. for all the regulars.
1: Don't go to
2: Sedona. Sedona sucks, you guys. It's- oh, I got you.
0: Yeah, so does Austin.
1: Yep.
2: Austin's the worst city the in the country. The of the country. <laughs> I like going there because I like disappointment. Um, yeah, 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 But you make a great point, and th- those are the ruts, those are the consumerist ruts I'm talking about. Like when you end up at Yellowstone or Yosemite or Sedona, you're in the mode of consuming not only products but information. So you land somewhere and you think, okay, what have I been told to get out? Of this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, we should get Insta moments. We should make some selfies.
1: Gotta buy some crystals.
2: Yeah. But if you can shut all that off, as you point out, and look at the stars or sit next to a creek and just listen to it and let all that other stuff go away. Then you remember that you're a mammal in the middle of an ecosystem. And literally you
0: live right where you're sitting, which right. is
2: boggling. And that, that you have a relationship with the stars, with Sedona, right. with the creek, and so forth. And it's, that's all I'm driving towards. The conversation requires a lot of nuance because it's not binary like, we should still have our channels and our dopamine and all. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're, not, we're not going to stop civilization, yeah. but we can continue to have fruitful, healthy civilization if we can have the channels and dopamine and the stars. And just remember that we're, it's all part of the same economy.
0: And you're so right because the first three days I was there, I'm embarrassed to admit, all I was thinking about is like, oh, I got to buy a house here, right? So all I'm thinking about is I got to buy a house here. I got to live here. Somehow I got to, I like it. So I need to, and I'm looking at, <laughs> you know, I'm literally zillowing. I'm spending so much time with yeah. this notion that because I like it, I must own something here.
2: Exactly. It,
0: it, it took me three that, days exactly. to stop today. I was like, I'm not going to buy a house here. Now just enjoy this place. I like this. I <sighs> must own it. Yes. Yeah.
2: A thousand percent. It's incredible. Mm. It is. Fuck.
0: It's embarrassing.
2: (laughs) It's not, though. I mean, that's what we're trained to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to tell a quick Rain Wilson story. When he was doing The Office, before Parks and Rec happened, as I said, we had known each other, and he was doing well, and he called me up and wanted a kitchen table out of white oak in the style of Gustav Stickley, who was one of the most formative members of, like, the craftsman movement. Oh, okay. Like a a mission-style or craftsman white oak kitchen table. Beefy ass table. <laughs> I said, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> and basically, I figured out that, and this was early on in, in my commission work. I figured out that this table should cost probably around maybe seventy two hundred or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I was like, then I take a step back. I'm like, you can't ask somebody to pay seven grand for. A, I mean, that's the price of a pickup truck. <laughs> this is crazy, <laughs> and I couldn't make that leap. And so I drew it up, and I sent him the plans, and I said, it's $5,000. And Rain called me up, and he said, listen, man, I've been shopping for these tables. How about $10,000? And I said, you're a very nice person, Rain, and I will remember this lesson for the rest of my life. I have now copied that gesture because it makes so much sense when you're tipping somebody. You're doing something that's not going to... Matter to your pocketbook. You can do it with a dollar or with a thousand dollars, but to make that gesture when you're the person on the other end, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, I'm lucky. I, it's not going to make a dent, but it's going to mean everything. It's going to make that kid's table the right price. And so, if you want to group me in with rain, I'll I'll simply say that it was a privilege. To make his kitchen table.
3: Oh,
1: I want a kitchen table by you. I'll pay you fifty thousand.
2: Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll talk.
0: <laughs> Does he have to like perform on the table? Or I can probably <laughs> see my way around
2: to this uh, this table commission. <laughs>
0: well, Nick, this has been so much fun. Where are the deer and antelope play. I guess the last thing you airstreamed around. That's a big part of the book. You and Megan in twenty twenty airstreamed around. And I'm an RVer myself. I see that. <laughs> and I got to tell you, man, there is nothing. I've never felt a sense of autonomy the way I do when I get that fucking bus going down the road. Because I'm like, I don't blow up any city, man. I'll just go to the one that's not. Like, I just feel, oh, my God.
2: Yeah, when you are taking your plumbing and a, and a kitchen <laughs> with you. <Empower. laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, there's nothing like it
0: There really isn't. I mean, I know a lot of people aren't drawn to it, but man, I just like
1: the canoe. Like, you know, there's some safety with it. Like, you know, you can get out.
0: Yeah. I feel like I've got an ejection, like backup plan or something. And just while I'm in it, it, it's also, I mean, great. First and foremost, it's a huge piece of consumerism. It's a huge tour bus. So I'm not acting holier now, but at the same time, I'm in this little, I mean, comparatively a very small living environment with my two children and my wife and it's a, 20th the size of our living space normally and i go like oh yeah man this is all you need family and a place of shit and cook some food yeah. there's something about that too that i get really get off on
2: absolutely and a deck of cards mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. let's party you're good to go
1: do you play spades
2: We don't. Megan and I love to do jigsaw puzzles and listen to audiobooks at the same time. that's Mm. nice. It's a highly recommended alchemy that combines the two brain channels.
3: Yeah. Oh, I like that. And
2: somehow it heightens both experiences. Oh, wow. You can really focus in on the audiobook. Yeah, because you're doing
0: something just distracting enough that requires just enough attention that it quiets the fucking monkey brain.
2: The and it rumination. allows
0: you to actually take in the other info. It does. Yeah, you have
2: to. It, it is. That's exactly it. It's yeah. why people get ideas in the shower
0: or driving. It's like, you're doing just
2: enough thing. And the rest of the distractions are not allowed in. The yes. door is shut. Yeah, you kind of give yourself an artificial capacity. Yeah. yeah oh, I like yeah. this. I'm going to try this. Oh, my God. I
0: can't wait to tell Kristen because Kristen's a huge puzzler.
2: I want to say one more thing because I'm very grateful to be here with you because you guys have a, a big, well-deserved audience. And that is I encourage... One of the things I'm taking apart in this book is a sense of what it means to be an American or to be patriotic, because it's something that's very volatile in this day and age. And, And what I'm trying to get into is, late in the book, I mentioned the Lee Greenwood song, I'm proud to be an American, and I feel like there's a lot of whiteness surrounding that sentiment. And I suggest to Mr. Greenwood, I'd like to see you... Go to a homeless camp underneath a highway while the Blue Angels fly (laughs) overhead at $600,000 a pop or whatever. Yeah, the new one is like 190000000 million million per—yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, it's fucking
2: bonkers. And ask those homeless people if they're proud to be Americans and basically look at it from that point of view. For no other reason is that eventually we're going to have to learn that everybody needs one of the apples as long as we're shooting each other so we can have more of the apples, we're never going to be done. We're never going to be done finding kindness and and empathy for one another. And whether you like that or not, that's what our country is about. And so... It's funny, like, when people find out that the guy playing Ron Swanson is not a a shotgun-toting libertarian, they're like, oh, I can't believe what a—I get called Beta Boy and Soy Boy Uh and—
3: Soy Boy.
2: All these hilarious (laughs) snowflakey nicknames where I'm just like, I don't even, like— Oh, God. I know. The part
0: of me, the shitty part of me, I got to admit it— I'll read that stuff on my thing too. It'll be like, you know, I have a Fauci t-shirt I wear sometimes and I just hear about it left and right from those people. In the animal me wants to go, what parking lot motherfucker? You're such a badass that you can't wear a mask. Like what parking lot do you want to meet me in and show me what a fucking tough guy you are? I get so
2: angry by that. Sure. Yeah. But that's just it. I have that in me too. I had a dude in a tram car at the Atlanta airport a couple months ago. You know, in a subway car or a tram car, you've got five stops and every stop more people get on. You're like, there's no more room. (laughs) 20 more people get on. There's no more room. So we're like that. Everybody's wearing a mask halfway down the car. This gym dude, a muscle dude Mm -hmm. has this mask under his chin and we make eye contact just coincidentally. And I just, I tug at the front of my mask where I was like, Hey man, like Mm -hmm. do your mask. Yeah. And he, he, Grabs it under his chin and and makes the face of "fuck you, bro." Like uh, I'm going to keep it down uh, here. Yeah, taunt you. And I literally had just been listening to George Saunders on a podcast, and I took it. I was like, "Okay, don't like, don't punch like, don't punch. the <laughs> Don't guy. make this don't, worse. Don't think I should shove this guy." And I was like, "That guy." According to what George was just saying. He's broken in some way, and yep. the same way we're all broken. I totally agree. And yeah. his brokenness is making him be a dick right now. Mm-hmm. But even just that, even just that thought process there, I'm not thinking about punching him. And for me, that's my baby step. I say that all the time. I say, you know,
0: the hardest people to show empathy for is the dude in the jacked up truck who's rolling coal. Like, it takes everything in me to go. Like, I got his ass beat by his dad. He got yeah. molested by his stepdad. He's telling the world, don't fuck with me. Like that is what I'll, that's what's going on right now. He's screaming to the world, don't fuck with me, I'll fight back. And that's so fucking heartbreaking.
2: Yeah.
0: But man, it, it is the hardest one for me to get to.
2: It is, but we're all dealing with that. And that's that's all I'm trying to to unpack in this book is like taking a step back and realizing that dude in that truck and the dude pulling his mask down at me, we're all the same bunch of molecules. And we're all going to end up in the same redwood trees. And his dad probably didn't tell him, just don't lie and work hard.
0: Yeah. We don't always know what huge advantage we're walking into a situation with. It. No, it's a great point. <sighs> Nick, you're radical. It's this so is fun. everything I had hoped it could be. And somehow we got to combine forces. Like I need to put a a fucking big outboard on one of your canoes or something like we gotta we gotta synergize (laughs) we could I I,
2: I think we know better but you and me together could sell the biggest reality show oh my
1: god in the
0: history
2: of television
0: yeah uh, soy boys uh Just fucking soy boys, maybe.
2: Jackass hold our beer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. Well, Nick, so great to have you. I hope everyone gets where the deer in Antelope play. You're wonderful. And we're gonna do it again because this is now your what third book or fourth
2: book? Fourth Number book? five. Number wow. five. God damn.
0: Prolific. Yeah. Crazily. Right. So on number six, you'll come back and we'll talk again.
2: Thank you so much. All right.
0: I'm so glad I finally made it. And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Padman. Nick Offerman, who post-interview with him, Uh I bought and downloaded Lincoln and the Bardo, Bardo, which he narrates.
1: He's one of them, right?
0: Yeah. There's many. As is Sedaris. Mm -hmm. It's a veritable who's who.
1: It really is. I think there's, let me look it up. How many narrators? There's so many. It was a big deal when it first happened.
0: Groundbreaking.
1: There are 166 different narrators. No. Many of them celebrities. Ben Stiller, Julianne Moore.
0: Oh, wow. Don Cheadle. (gasps) Don Cheadle. Bradley Whitford. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Bill Hader. Bill Hader. Bill Hader, Is he on there? Yeah. Okay, because there was one voice I was like, I think that's Bill Hader. Oh, yeah. And I'm relieved to hear it was. Yes. Okay, Nick Offerman.
1: When he was leaving, he started talking about, he told us about scenes from a marriage, Uh that we we should start watching that, and or that he was watching it. And then I started it, and...
0: We started it.
1: We started it. Yeah. But I finished it. You did. Yeah. Whew. It's a lot. Really? It is. It is so well done. I mean, they are unbelievable and their chemistry is unbelievable and it's, they're so good. Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain. But wow, it's a lot. Yeah. It's really intense. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, there's this um, device they use where at the, beginning, which we, you questioned a bit, but at the yeah. beginning of each episode, you actually see
0: the BTS. Act-
1: <laughs> like you see them. You see them. the
0: actor walk to set.
1: Exactly. Like give off, give their coats, sit in their spot, and then you hear action. Then the scene starts. And we had talked about like, why are they doing that? That feels gimmicky. Kind of, you know, it didn't bother me, but I, once you brought it up, I started really wondering. And then by the end, I was like, I think it's to remind us this isn't real.
0: Really, like it's it's too much because it's, if you it's don't. so heavy. Yeah, interesting.
1: I don't know if that's true, but huh? Yeah,
0: yeah. I am really curious what the um, defense of that yeah um, mechanism is. I'll call it a mechanism instead of a gimmick, so I, I don't sound
1: device.
0: Device. Yeah, that's yeah. better. That's what it's called. Yeah. Yeah, not mechanism. <laughs> device.
1: But it's a it's a, if you can.
0: I gotta get. I gotta get through it.
1: I think I've said this before on here, but I would suggest watching it alone.
0: Um, <laughs> right, right. Probably
1: right. not with your partner. Uh, yeah,
0: too much, too much. You don't really want to have it brings.
1: I, I do want you to watch it because I'm curious of your takeaways.
0: Well, I already had such a breakthrough in my own right thought process just watching the first three episodes. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, I'm this guy.
1: Yeah, but I don't think the guy's unsympathetic or likable or anything.
0: No, just... I could see what it's like to uh live with me, be engaged with me often.
1: Yeah, that you search for logic.
0: Yeah, obsessively. Can't yeah. really until we've like gotten to that point. I'm Yeah. seemingly uncooperative to even explore the Yeah, it's I uh I was able to see that there's some big challenges with the way I approach things. Cuz if I was dating me, I would want to scream like and who cares? Shut up! And this is how I feel. And We don't need to know why. Like I can imagine just going, like, how about just take my feelings as they are mm-hmm. and sit with them and not try to solve them or get to the root of them or yeah. correct them. Or, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And I wouldn't say that's a through line necessarily. I mean, I guess I mean that that's built into the personality of the character, but it, it doesn't feel like I, it. Doesn't feel like they're trying to declare anything about these types of people or whatever. It's just like... I think it is what it is. People are... It's just really hard for two people to be together. Yeah. And life is so complicated. And
0: I don't think that... Yeah, I don't... I didn't think that the show itself was um, making him to blame because he's the way he is. Yeah. I just... Yeah, it's rare that I would identify so much with the character and then be able to see the impact on the other people. I do think ultimately like she was craving this passionate emotional reaction and he lives in a world of logic and that's part of the divide yeah you, know? you gotta keep watching i'll keep there's watching. some okay. um, there's some, some evolution yeah. oh
1: okay great yeah it's a oh, it, but, but that was nick's uh rack and it was a good one. good rack nick very good
0: he should do a thing called nick's rex whether it's a blog or a podcast nick's rex nixon rex Nixon, Nixon Rex, Parks and Rex reference. Oh, okay, okay that I was see. a bit of that a that was a stretch. That was a stretch. Yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> um, well, I know you have. You're going away tomorrow, and so am I.
0: Yes, we are. Are you excited about your trip?
1: I'm going home, and I am excited.
0: Oh, good. Yeah. Your mom's gonna spoil you.
1: She already asked me if I'm still drinking oatmeal.
0: Yeah, she wants to know what groceries they have in the fridge. It's nice to be taken care of it sometimes. It is
1: incredibly nice.
0: Yeah. What are you looking forward to most? Screaming, "Mom, I want a milkshake." No. Nah. Okay.
1: <laughs> Too cold for milkshake.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> um, Mom, I want a hot chocolate. <laughs> oh, I, I she we well,
0: that's on the menu? hot chocolate. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs>
1: And then you're going to the sand
0: dunes
1: for a boys trip.
0: That's right. And the um, the hits just keep on coming. Yeah. They keep on coming. I bitched about it yesterday. Yeah. Uh, lock, I didn't have the keys for the lock where it broke. And then I had to buy bolt cutters and yeah. I had to get a grinder. Then my clutch, I told you that my clutch isn't working correctly, yeah. or rather the cylinders that control the clutch, which caused me to. Exit the trailer erratically. Break the cable. But then it didn't stop. Then Charlie came over with another trailer that I know fits two four-seater razors. I've had them in there before. Yeah. Charlie and I put one in first, then the other one. That didn't work. We deflated the tires. Then we flipped them around. Then we tra- I mean, it was Tetris, and we both looked at each other, and we said, this isn't happening. We yeah. finally threw in the towel, which I don't think Charlie and I have shared a defeat. Mm. That was our first big defeat together. Mm. And we tried to talk our way out of it, but it was a defeat. I'm still not surrendered. I think there might be a way to, for me to elevate one of these things pretty high. That's kind of what I dreamt of last night. Okay. Maybe I can get two in one trailer. I don't know. But anyways, I have a long list. Very few of the things are are checked off of it. And uh, we're down to, I guess, you know 16 hours before departure.
1: Well, it's our last episode before Thanksgiving. Oh. So what are you thankful for?
0: So many things. So many things everyone i know in my life currently which is a rarity is healthy that's huge my kids are happy mm-hmm. like it's good it's really good um this has been an incredible year of the podcast that's incredibly good i feel safer than i've ever felt that's nice
1: hmm what do you why do you think
0: money mm. like oh. i've i've disengaged the part of my brain that's on a hamster wheel about financial security, Yeah, I've had like some months and months of no longer obsessing about that. Mm -hmm. And I wish it was a gift I could have given myself, but I didn't. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's, it's impacted me in a good way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's nice.
0: How about you? What are you grateful for?
1: I'm grateful for our community. I got a haircut the other day and Jenny... Cho, who cut it, mm. uh, she knows this group well. She does Kristen's hair, and I, I forget what we were talking about, but some party or something. And she was like, You guys are so lucky. And I was like, Yeah, we are. We really, really are.
0: Absurdly lucky.
1: Yeah. She was like, you know, There's always someone to celebrate. There's always, I'm like, Yeah, that's really true. It's very rare and special. And I do feel that I've been given the gift of, unconditional friendship my whole life, mm-hmm. which is uh, incredibly lucky. Might be the most lucky. important thing. I think so.
0: Truly. You yeah, got to have community, to have friends, to be social. For me, it's always a big relief from the oppression of my own brain mm-hmm. is to be around other people. I get distracted, luckily, by them enough that yeah. I can't obsess about all my many obsessions.
1: Yeah. And I'm excited about a... St- Eating together. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna cook two stuffings. You are? Yeah, because I want to try these two recipes.
0: That's music to my ears because I am of the opinion that stuffing shouldn't be one-tenth of the meal. It should be like 40% of the meal. I agree. It's the always, best part. It goes so quick. Yep. Every Thanksgiving I've ever attended, people are all over that stuffing. Oh, yeah. And the gravy. Those things are gone mm. in a heartbeat.
3: Mm-mm-mm.
0: And then you got, you know, piles of turkey no one's touching. There's a bunch of carrots. That were baked, you know. People are dabbling in them, but it's that stuffing. That's that's why we all came. Oh, I'm so
1: excited! I'm trying my chef's stuffing, mm-hmm. Alison Roman, and a Bon Appetit stuffing as well.
0: I'm gonna eat the hell out of it. Okay. Do you think Pee will get a carcass this year? Oh wow! Maybe I should bring her a carcass. <laughs> I loved how happy she was when she got that carcass. Yeah. I wanted to get another.
1: She. What do we think? I Think it was Barb.
0: I thought Pee Pee got cocoa in her mouth. Right, for right. A minute. It
1: really looked like Pee Pee had devoured it. Because an our animal. dogs
0: weren't there, I don't think. But yeah, Barb would be the, the most logical first stop. She yeah. was the most fragile. That's right. Now, whiskey's taken her spot.
1: Yeah, but people know to be scared of whiskey.
0: Well, he's got a bark
1: and a bite. He bites everyone.
0: It's so soft. He's got, like, mushy teeth and no, his mastoid's weak. Y- you're fine. If, if you're ever over at my house, this is to anyone, and you get attacked by whiskey, just let him go at it. It doesn't hurt. It'd
1: just be nice. Yeah, his teeth, are, his
0: teeth are mushy. Like Sedaris, he's got quicksand uh, gums.
1: <laughs>
0: and it'll it pose no threat. Okay.
1: That's good to know. Now,
0: Frank, kick him. You see him coming at you, kick him.
1: Yeah.
0: Let him know that you're the boss or he'll bite you. He will. I hate it. God, that. you have
1: two biters. I know. I hate it. Yeah.
0: It's not cool that if you come to our house, there's a chance you're going to get nipped at. I don't like that about this household I'm a part of. <laughs> I
1: understand. I want to be a place
0: where people can come over and not get bit.
1: Yeah. I think that's like a low bar.
0: I think so. <laughs> One that I've always had, but now it's gone. <laughs> all bets are off with Frank. Yeah. People might like this. I came up with a little, um, a motto for Frank. Oh. Franks, but no Franks.
1: Oh, that's cute.
0: That's what I say to him when he's getting a little crazy. Oh, that's You know, nice. franks, but no franks. That's great.
1: Okay, a couple facts, just a couple. Yeah. How much are vaccine passports the fake ones? I was looking this up, but then I started to get paranoid about looking it up, like I'm going to get tracked or something oh, okay. flagged. I saw like some for 250 hmm. and then one one article was saying they're down to 100. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so yeah, the, those are options for people out there.
0: Are there any coupons people can clip to reduce the
1: <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. How many Emmys did Megan win? She is best known for playing Karen Walker on the NBC sitcom Will and Grace, for which she received eight Primetime Emmy Award nominations for Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series, Winning Twice in 2000 and 2006.
0: Yeah. God bless those people who go after they've lost six, seven, eight, nines. We've had some people that, like, lost 11 times. You and remember kept Ed?
1: Ed Sheeran was talking about yeah, that. Yeah,
0: yeah. What did we come up with? Fool me once, shame on me. Oh, no, I came up. Fool me once, shame on thee. Fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah. It's conventionally fool me once shame on you. Fool okay. me twice, shame on me. But why not make it rhyme?
1: You love a rhyme.
0: I love a rhyme. Fool me once shame on thee.
1: I'm grateful for rhymes.
0: Oh, that's one of your gratitude on your gratitude. Yeah, list. adding uh, that to my list yeah.
1: of things I'm thankful for. It's good. All right.
0: That was it, the Emmy total?
1: Yeah. Oh wait, did I have?
0: I thought you said else? two, and then you said one.
1: No, I said two vaccine passports. Oh, you did, and um, you delivered on both. Also, Nick is going to build me a table. Right. Um, I haven't checked back in on it. Uh huh. But you're gonna. Have I to take that as a promise.
0: What we learned is that he gives people a lower price. Right. Than, than what he deserves. Oh,
1: I'm gonna rain Wilson it.
0: Don't okay, worry. Great. okay, great. Okay,
1: great. Don't worry. I think I said you remind me of him. Right. And then he told this beautiful story about him.
0: Yeah. It's almost as if you were setting him up.
1: Sim. Sim. Oh, I'm grateful for this Sim.
0: Praise be to the Sim <laughs> <laughs> and its bounty.
1: Um, I hope you have a wonderful boys trip.
0: I hope you have an incredible trip to Duluth, Georgia. Thank you. Eat some Chrissy's for me.
1: Oh, I will. Oh, speaking of that, I do want to shout out Cal Penn, who yeah. we have had on this program, who's wonderful, he has a book out, he sent it to me, and he sent me a gift card for Cassie's.
0: For white Cassie's. Yeah. Yeah. He knew what he was doing. He knows the quickest way to your heart. (laughs) Cassie's and Chrissy's. That's right. All right, I love you. Oh, wait, I'm so sorry. I have to
1: say one thing that just reminded me. It might take it in a little bit of a different direction, which I'm sorry. I know you're in a hurry, but Diwali was recently- I'm not pronouncing that right. It's an Indian holiday. It's oh, like the most popular Indian holiday. I you saying
0: a guess. I'm like, we had a guest named Diwali and I have forgotten no. that? No.
1: Anyway, there, a lot of prominent Indians had a party.
0: They did? And I was not invited. Oh, my God. Who was at the party? Mindy. Oh. Hassan? <laughs>
1: Oh fuck! I didn't see Hussin in that picture. Then I feel prominent. fine. You're yeah, right.
0: if he wasn't there, then but was I'm sure it, he
1: was invited. Was it really make a Desi it.
0: blowout without Hassan? I don't think so. That's
1: true. But I think Cal Penn was there, and then Mina Harris was oh, there, and like fuck. Ugh, fuck. I know. And then I felt really
0: excluded.
1: I had a roller coaster. It's like, oh, man, this is what I did to myself. I I kept myself out of that group so I could be you a part of this other group. your back on your group.
0: community like OJ.
1: I did, but I'm also I'm trying to be honest about my I know, feelings. I know. They don't like my honesty.
0: No, I think they relate, a lot of people. Mostly it's all I hear is that people relate to your honesty.
1: Well, they're not throwing fancy parties.
0: Well, that's a good point.
1: Anyway, I just wanted to make that clear. Well,
0: so it sounds like you'd like to be invited to next year's.
1: Well, that was the other thing. Then I was like, okay, if I was invited, would I feel self conscious? Probably. And then, I am a woman without a house. A woman
0: without a country. <laughs>
1: that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's what I meant.
0: I'd go in a second if I got invited.
1: I know you would. Would you bring me as a plus one?
0: Yeah. Okay. You could go and be like, I went. I mean, but I wasn't invited. Like, you could best of oh, both worlds. Interesting. I only went to make Dax happy. Okay. You can like dance on the fence here.
1: That's a good entree.
0: You can have it both ways. Ding, ding,
1: ding, Entree Thanksgiving. All right. I love
3: you.
0: (laughs) I love you too.